complaining about things like the arrangement of seats or we start complaining about things like X, Y, or Z because what happens is is when we get our eyes off of Jesus and his design for the church and we put it on superficial things those things seem to be very important but they're really not but they seem to be because we've lost focus on exactly what is going on Imagine you're looking out over the ocean. You're taking in the beauty and you see a boat. Your eyes begin to follow the boat and after a while, you're sort of fixed on that one thing. We can get like that with God. Caught up with little irritants or worries so much that we miss His vast greatness. In this message from Pastor Daniel, we'll hear what happens when we replace doubt with worship. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 16, with part one of his message entitled, All Called Out. Today's message I've entitled, All Called Out, it it makes me think about those times when someone is being called out. Now, often when you think of being called out, it always kind of sounds negative, Right? Like, oh, I just got called out for something. But when I think of the phrase, all called out or getting called out, I remember when I was in college, I was, uh, I was in my last year of college and I was a psychology major in school. And I did that because I wanted to figure out all the crazy voices that were going on in my head. <laughs> but really, I, I finished the degree, but I was really focusing on music. And so I was at Rutgers University in New Jersey, and I was taking all these classes on uh, jazz and jazz music. And one of our, my professors was the guy named Bill Fielder. And Bill Fielder was an African-American guy from Mississippi. And we called him Prof. And Prof was totally blind. So when you would say hi to him, he would say, how you doing? But he didn't know who you were, you know what I mean? And it was like this beautiful thing because you'd say, hey, prof, how you doing? And I'm like, hey, it's Fusco, right? And so I had a class with prof and he was a, he was a character, like all the way a character. We used to invite him to our gigs because we were learning how to play jazz. He was a professional musician. I would say, hey, prof, you should come play at our gig on Thursday night. He'd go, hmm. I'll only take my horn out of its case for $250. And you'd be like, oh, come on, prof. You know, you know we're not making $250 for the whole gig. You know, we're your students. Come on. And he'd be like, uh-huh, no. That's <laughs> and so he was, he was a character, and he was teaching us all this crazy stuff. But there was this one day, I'll never forget it. We stood in class, and there was... Um, On the the faculty of of Rutgers, where I was in the music department, uh, Kenny Barron was the piano uh, instructor. And if you know jazz, Kenny Barron is one of the elite piano players uh, on the jazz scene, and he's been for a long, long time. And so we'd have all these great piano players who were working in New York City, but they were wanting to get their degree, so they wanted to spend time with Kenny Garrett, or Kenny Barron. And so there was one of these piano players who had to do a senior recital. But he didn't spend much time on campus except to spend time with Kenny. And so for his senior recital, 
he brought in all of his, the guys that he was playing with from New York, and these guys were all just amazing musicians. But in order to have a legitimate senior recital, you need to have one undergraduate student. So my buddy, who is a trumpet player, his name is Yussi, got invited to play. But what Yussi didn't know, and he found out at the senior recital, was that the piano player also brought in a trumpet player from New York City. Huh, yeah, yeah. And so... What ends up happening is, is they get on stage and all these guys are great and UC goes to offer the solo to the other trumpeter and the trumpeter was like, no, 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 you go do it. And UC went out there and right away it was bad. It was bad because UC knew that the guy who was there was a player. So UC kind of meandered for a little bit and then all of a sudden the trumpeter just comes in and cuts him off and just plays one of those solos. You know, and I could, UC's body language was, he was in quicksand. You know what I mean? It's like everything was turning inward. And you could just see it was bad. And I remember just sitting there being like, man, I thought, you know, I didn't know that jazz could be like this. Right? And I remember going to class. We had class right after the senior recital and sure enough, prof's class. And prof was always good with helping us understand. He's like, and prof was like, how many of you were just at that senior recital? And UC's in the class. You know, and he's just like, you see, you see, when you're on that stage, you are completely always called out. It's a fascinating phrase. And you see, said, Prof, what are you talking about? I couldn't even play. He's like, no, if you're on that stage, you're there to perform. You're there to perform. What he was doing is, and it was great because you see, at the moment was feeling pretty bad about himself, but that moment, actually, God used it in UC's life to really get him going. You see, because what Prof Fielder understood, and what I believe Jesus wants to teach us today, is that God does not redeem us just to go through the motions. That God has a plan. And that God wants us to be part of the plan. See, UC made the mistake at that senior recital because he got in his head. He made the mistake of thinking, oh man, I don't really, I'm not really here to perform. Right? And he got in his head and, and it went bad for him. But what Prof Fielder said is, listen, when you're on that stage, you are called out. You are there to be there to accomplish something. And I think what happens for you and I as followers of Jesus is that Satan wants to lull us into forgetting why we're here, what we're meant to be doing. And what happens is if, if Satan or the circumstances around us can get us off from what we're doing, then the work of the church slows down. And so we're doing this, this just got real series. And we've already seen Jesus' design for the church. We've seen Jesus the King on the triumphal entry. We saw all the circumstances surrounding Jesus' resurrection. And I left off at the end of Matthew 28, which I want to pick up today. So open in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to just take the last four five verses of the chapter. So, and I'll be honest with you, this passage is one of my absolute favorites in the Bible. I go back to this passage at least once a month in my own devotional time, literally. Because this section, what we call the Great Commission, it keeps me focused on what I need to be focused on. 
You guys, if, you, if you've studied business at all, they will talk about things, something called mission creep in business. That when a business forgets what its primary work is, it gets off kilter. You can get busy, but you lose focus on what you're doing. And I believe that Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, what we're going to look at today, as followers of Jesus, we need to come back to this every day because it keeps us from letting the mission that Jesus has for his people and that Jesus is on, and it keeps us from getting off kilter. And it's so, you can always tell when we have mission creep in regards to the things of God because we start complaining about things like coffee. Or we start complaining about things like the arrangement of seats. Or we start complaining about things like X, Y, or Z. Because what happens is, is when we get our eyes off of Jesus and his design for the church and we put it on superficial things, those things seem to be very important, but they're really not. But they seem to be because we've lost focus on exactly what is going on. Spurgeon said it this way, Charles Spurgeon, the, they call him the prince of preachers. You know, he was a, a, a 20th century English preacher. He said it in effect this way, that a dog, a hunting dog is meant to be on a hunt. When it's not on the hunt, all it can do is focus on its fleas. But when it's on the hunt, it barely notices the fleas. Isn't that true? When you're busy getting about things, you don't notice a lot of the things that are troublesome. You, you see them, but you don't, you're too busy. But what happens is oftentimes when we get settled, we get seated in the kennel, then everything just starts to bug us. But the thing is, is a hunting dog's not meant to be in the kennel. It's meant to be on the hunt. And the church of Jesus Christ was never meant to be settled I realize we live in 21st century America. We have, you know, we have climate-controlled houses and rooms. You have um, nice cushioned pews. Whether or not you like the color on it, that's whatever, you know. But you often wonder, like, be like, oh, man, it's too loud. It's too cold. It's too this. It's too that. It's like, you, sometimes I'm like, man, I wonder if any of us would have actually followed Jesus. Can you imagine, like, listening to Jesus' sermon on a hot Israeli mountainside with kids and sheep? Talk about distractions. The comings and goings of all these things. See, we always have to remember that God designed his church to be on the move. Although settled, always pushing forward. And I believe Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20 pushes us that way. And that's why I come back to it. Literally once a month in my devotion time, I just meditate on these verses, what they mean, why they're there, what it means for who I am as a person, who we are as a church. Now, the reason I say it's, I call this message not you're called out, but we're all called out because in these verses here, the word all is a recurring word. Notice verse 18, all authority has been given to me, Jesus says. In verse 19, make disciples of all the nations. In verse 20, teaching them all the things that I have commanded you. And then also in verse 20, and behold, I am with you always. So you have this recurrence 
of the words all. This is an all-encompassing little section of Scripture. It involves all of us and all that God has for you and for me. So let's jump in. Matthew 28, picking up in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee on the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then in some of your translation, it has the word, Amen. Now, notice in verses 16 and 17, remember Jesus was resurrected and he told Mary and the other Mary, listen, I want you to tell my disciples to go into Galilee. I'm going to reveal myself to them there. And then we find that now they're there. There's only 11 of them. Why is there only 11 disciples? Because Judas committed suicide. He betrayed Jesus. He went and he committed suicide. So there's only 11 disciples right now. They go to Galilee. It says that Jesus... When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And so we begin with this idea that we need to worship instead of doubting. Worship instead of doubting. Jesus is resurrected in front of them, right? So these 11 disciples all see Jesus bodily resurrected. And they worship him, but it says that some still doubted. Here's the thing, and this is real like street level for us. We either worship or we doubt. That's what we do. And if you choose to doubt, when you are in the process of doubting, what? You cannot worship. Because worship and doubt do not exist in this, at the same moment. It's one or the other. So doubting says, this is not okay. God is not in control. How can these things be happening? Or worship says, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. The idea of worship, it, it comes from a contraction of worship. When you worship God, you're saying, God, you are worthy of my praise. You know what's amazing about doubting? When somebody is in the process of doubting, especially when they're verbalizing it, you'll never hear the word God or Jesus unless it's in an expletive form. Because you can't doubt God when you're in the process of worshiping him. Because worship in the glory and the majesty of who God is, when you're worshiping God, you realize, man, this problem is not a problem for God. I don't understand how this is going to work, but God, if he can forgive me of my sins and he can keep the whole universe working pretty well most of the time, then this problem that I have, as big as it is and as real as it is for me, is really nothing for the almighty God. So we either worship or we doubt. And I'm here to tell you that's a choice that we make. Now, I'm not going to stand up here, and I mean, the unfortunate part of being on a stage is that it feels like I'm in a different place than you all. Listen, I'm living in the same world you guys are living in. I struggle sometimes to keep my eyes on the Lord, 
I struggle sometimes when I look at circumstances. I don't know if I like them. I don't know have any control over them. And I look at them and I'm like, oh no, this is not good. But God. But I struggle to keep my eyes above the wave tops and onto the Lord. And I know that you guys do as well. But you read this. Jesus is alive. He's real. They're seeing him. They're, some of them are worshiping him. And some of them are like, oh man, I'm just not really so sure about this whole thing. I mean, he was crucified. And yeah, he's here right now. But what if he doesn't stay forever? And what's going to happen? And just, Brothers and sisters, if you're doubting today, I'm here to tell you, just start worshiping. Just start worshiping. Say, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but you do. And you know what? It's never been about me anyway. See, we need to get our eyes off of the what ifs, and we got to put our eyes on the I am. And I'm, I'm with you with this. It's like, this is not like me being like, yeah, I got this all dialed in. Just, no, listen, I'm learning this every single day too. But instead of doubting, worship God. Instead of doubting, say, God, I'm taking my eyes off this stuff. I'm putting it on you. And Lord, I know you got this under control. And there are so many good reasons to doubt, isn't there? I'm always amazed when, especially you talk with people and you walk, walk through life with people, the reasons people are doubt are, they're real. Like you put all this information together and you filter it through a certain grid and you get problems. Right? And everyone is fully convinced in their own mind. I am too. In my own areas of doubt, I'm like, it's fully convinced. I get it. But every time someone goes through the whole list of reasons why everything is wrong, you never once say, well, listen, God's in control. Because you know what happens when you say God's in control in the middle of it? You can't doubt anymore. You say, Lord, like the children of Israel, if we go into Babylon as exiles, you're going to bring us back because your word told us so. You end up like Jeremiah was like, listen, the Babylonians are coming. You got to go with them. This is God's will. How could it be God's will? Because well, he told us. So listen, if you're here, to, and I, I guarantee all of us have areas of doubt in our life. If I start giving to the work of the Lord, how am I going to pay my bills? If I start serving on Saturdays, how am I going to get my lawn fixed? If I start X that God has asked me to, how is Y going to happen? Right? And you know what you find when you actually step out with the Lord? And you just say, Lord, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to step out with you. You know what happens? God starts taking care of everything. I got this great letter from somebody. They, weren't, they didn't sign it. They were like, yeah, I, you know, Pastor Dan, you were talking about either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord. And we were in a tough financial situation. We just started giving to the Lord. I figured, yeah, you know, it's, you're right. Either he says what he means, he means what he says, or he doesn't. You know, and, and it was awesome because in this letter, this gal, who I don't know even know who she is because it's just first name, don't know who. You know who you are, though. Stepped down, started giving to the Lord. And she's like, man, you'll never believe it. God worked everything out. I got a better job. I got a rent that's lower. We're in a better financial place than we were before we started giving. She's like, I just wanted to let you know that it's, Jesus is real in my life and in my family. But you know when you learn those things? When you step out. That's the only time you learn it. You can't learn it otherwise. And for so many of us, not just the financial end. I mean, for so many of us, God is stirring our hearts, but we doubt. God, can God really use me? Can this really work? You know, I made so many mistakes, Lord. Listen, when you step out with the Lord, 
and you worship him, you say, Lord, I'm just going to step out, God starts to move. He starts to move. And so instead of doubting, brothers and sisters, let's worship him. And worship isn't only when there's a band playing. I mean, worship music is, is a good aid to worship, but you don't need music to worship the Lord. Worship is simply making much of God in your heart and living out the reality that he is worthy. See, God is worthy of worship because we don't even need his gifts for God to be worthy of praise. God is worthy of praise because he's God. And in God's presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So I, I just believe for so many of us, there's so many good reasons to doubt. But there's one thing that cures doubting, and that's worship. And we want to be people who worship the Lord with our lifestyles. Everything about our life is an act of worship. We worship with singing, and we worship with serving. We worship with giving, and we worship with smiling and hugging and forgiving. And every area, our jobs are acts of worship. Our yard work is an act of worship. Everything we do unto the praise and the glory of God. We love our spouses and our kids as acts of worship, as unto the good and true and living God. If you're doubting today, why don't you trade in that doubting for a little worship? Just say, God, I'm going to, every time I start to fret and worry, I'm just going to start to praise you. You know, I do that with my kids. Because, you know, my, you know, they're kids, right? They're like little adults. They bicker. It's an amazing thing. You put them in the car, they can fight about anything, right? And so you know what we make our kids do? We make them say three nice things to each other, right? It's so funny because it's like, it's so cute because as I say things like, I like the way your eyes sparkle. <laughs> like adults, we need to say that more to one another. I like the way your eyes sparkle, you know? Or they say, I like the way God made you. So sweet, you know? I like the way God made you. It's like, well, if you did, you wouldn't be bickering with one another. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there, you know? It's... So we're saying, instead of bickering, say nice things to each other. And you know what happens after they are bickering and then you make them say three or five or nine nice things to each other? They're not bickering anymore. They're actually friends again because they've gone, they've rehearsed all the reasons that they actually like their sister or their brother. And you know what? When we're doubting, sometimes we need to just start praising God and thanking him for all the things he has given us. Saying, Lord, look, I'm here today still. Thank you for the day. Lord, thank you for your provision. Lord, I've been freaking out about lots of things for a long time, Lord, and none of those things actually have taken place. And the things that actually did take place, you actually worked together for good, and I'm actually grateful that they took place because you taught me through them. See, we need to substitute worship for doubting. And I believe that's for some of us in here today. Now, look at what happens in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Now, this is called the Great Commission. Right? This is Jesus' mission for the church. It begins with, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus begins, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So, okay, so we start. All authority means what? All authority. You guys are good. Jesus is 
Pastor Daniel began today's message, he reminded us to consider Jesus' primary command to the church to go and make disciples. This is a message that can get lost as we go about our lives. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here of Jesus Is Real Radio. I got some special news. I'm so stoked. My new book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available on pre-order right now. You might say, why'd you write the book, Daniel? Well, simply because this, life is messy, but Jesus is real. And we need to talk honestly about both sides of that coin. So get the book now. It's available on pre-order at honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold. I can't wait for you to read it. God bless you. Jesus gave a message to the church, which is what Pastor Daniel will delve into in this next teaching on Jesus' Real Radio. The authority of Jesus extends not only in heaven, but to earth as well. When we create a separation, we lose sight of how much can be accomplished by Him here on earth. You've been listening to Jesus' Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Please join us next time. Sing 